Welcome in to the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Frame, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on this edition of the show. It's a preview show. Uh, Oregon goes down to the Bay Area to Stanford Stadium, takes on Stanford Cardinal. 3.30 kick on the Pac-12 networks. Uh, I do believe this is the last game that Oregon has to be on the Pac-12 network. So maybe there's one more, maybe Cal, maybe we'll see. Um, that feels also like a possible ESPN late night game. So if you don't have the Pac-12 networks, this might be your last chance uh, to miss a game or have to go somewhere to watch it. Mm. Um, so sad. So sad. 27 <laughs> and a half point favorite as of last night. Uh, this is a bigger spread than last week, which is a little strange because I think Stanford's probably on paper the better team. They have the better recruits than than what Colorado's roster had, but games aren't played on paper. Um, this game was also on the road, and Oregon's a bigger favorite than they were at home against Colorado, but um, it's a strange deal because this game used to mean a lot. It used to decide maybe the conference, and now it's just viewed as uh, another game. Um, we've talked about it off off the air, guys. Like, there's no Dion, and there's no Cinderella story of Colorado this week. But like, this game just doesn't have any juice at all. Dan Dan called it a "bring your own juice" game. Um, because the environment is going to be totally different than any environment they've played in so far, and it's it's just different. It feels different. Is it a trap game? I don't know. Shouldn't be. Well, it, it, to your point, it's strange to transition from a game that has all of the outside noise to a game where there is no outside noise. Like, from my, I, I I know Troy Taylor does press conferences, but has he ever said something at one of them that like? has been talked about nationally. I think the answer is no. Whereas Dion, anytime no. he does one, it's like one of ESPN's leading story, whatever he talks about, like whatever the most important thing or the interesting thing Dion says is like in ESPN's top stories, like every Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever he does his press conferences. Troy Taylor, not getting that kind of attention. And, you know, uh, also two teams with new head coaches that have built their rosters completely differently. Um, if we really want to go down that of like Colorado, when Adam Munsentager was on last week, talked about how they had like 70 new players. Well, like Stanford has a lot of new players, but they're not through the portal because it's just been since this year that they've really adopted like really any portal strategy and have kind of changed some of the restrictions that they could use to actually land kids. So um, programs in very different situations, I think I understood why Colorado's game was a little bit closer line just because they were ranked coming in and unbeaten and USC beat right. USC beat Stanford like 56 to 10. Like Stanford's not, I don't think, very, very good. Um, but it's on the road. And to Matt's point, and actually, I think Dan Landing said this yesterday uh, on the football coaches show. Oregon has, the last few times Oregon has gone down to Stanford as a ranked team, they lost. So you got to keep your, you got to at least keep your head up. You got to be aware. Last two times as a ranked team. This was Dan. You could correct me if I'm wrong. 2021. Yeah, the last two times he said 2021. And then uh, I don't know, before that, 2019. It would have been 19 and they won. Yeah, they won 21 to 6, though. But it was like... Were they ranked? Ugly... I, I, assu I assume they were ranked, but maybe Dan got yeah. his, his fact wrong. Yeah, they were ranked. Okay, well, Dan Dan needs to do a better job on... on I should, And I need to do a yeah, better job on fact-checking Dan. Come on, Eric. Yeah, you can't believe everything Dan says. 
They'll tell you that nobody's hurt. Um, <laughs> True. Uh, there uh, to kind of go. I didn't and to expect to go off that point of the um, the, the the ranked teams losing, but there's a hidden there's a hidden part of me that just kind of you know, feels like this could be one of those games. Uh, I don't know what it is about going to Stanford, but Dan is correct. Um, the last five Stanford trips, Oregon is two and three. So maybe that's where he got his stat wrong, but um, they won in 2019. But what like Matt was probably going to say, it wasn't really a great game. It was 21 to six, and they jumped out to an early lead and then did absolutely nothing for the rest of the game. It felt like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this Stanford team uh, is less talented than Colorado. Colorado, Matt, like I, I think they have the better recruits when you include yeah. like Cormani McLean and Travis Hunter. Um, I think. Colorado is a much more talented team. I think the line is appropriate at this 27 and a half. And to what, what Eric said, um, you know, California, USC did beat the doors off of them 56 to 10. Like they just absolutely pounded them. It was at USC, which probably wasn't a very lively environment for a Stanford game, but that's the issue with Stanford. They're not going to bring a lively environment anywhere they go, including at home. And I expect there to be, um, probably a similar amount of Oregon fans to Stanford fans. There's plenty of Oregon graduate and Oregon fans just in the Bay Area. So I think it will have some juice for the for the Ducks. But um, this is a potential letdown game. I really don't see it happening just because of the way Oregon is playing and the lack of complete talent on Stanford's roster this year. Like I said on our Wednesday, Tuesday podcast, I, next year, they're going to be bringing in some talent in this next upcoming recruiting class and yeah. you know, maybe the transfer portal, and they'll look great in the ACC for some reason. But until then, this team is not great. They have two quarterbacks, which means they don't have one, and Oregon's defense will have to prepare for this, but um, you don't really see anything great from Stanford's defense. Um, they're giving up a total – or they're giving – up 6.4 yards per play. Obviously, it's a little inflated by Southern California with nine nine oh. yards per play. But even Arizona got 5.2. Sacramento State got six and a half. Like Hawaii put up a really good fight, scored 24 on them. So uh, I, I, this shouldn't be a trap game at all. But it's going down to Stanford Stadium uh, as a ranked team against unranked Stanford team. It's just kind of kind of weird, and they've always had these weird battles when they go south to to Stanford Stadium, but. Um, you know, we'll get into the score predictions, but I don't think this think that this game should be close at all. I I looked it up. Um, blue chip, the blue chip team talent that we have, the rankings that we have on twenty four seven sports. Um, Colorado is thirty fifth in the country at seven hundred and twelve points. Stanford thirty seventh at seven hundred and ten. They are essentially the same team. Um, Weird. The only difference between these two is Stanford has no five stars. Colorado had three. Um, Stanford has fifteen or sixteen more uh, three-star players than Colorado. That's the only difference between these two teams. Colorado had the top-end talent. Stanford theoretically has the better depth, I guess, but they're the exact same team. Um, Really weird, as Jared said. Really weird, and one in which I I struggled with the line, guys. We'll get to our picks later, but I struggled with the line here because Oregon should win this. If they play this game to their standard, they should win this by five scores. 
yeah. more than that. Um, but to Dan's, Dan's point on Wednesday afternoon, they did not have a good practice on Tuesday. And he we didn't we didn't see it, but he came out and said, now it's, do we believe him? Like, to Jared's point, can't believe everything he says, but do we believe him? I think it's it's certainly understandable if they had a bad practice. It's certainly understandable if they play sloppy in this game. Uh, and I guess the transition here, there's still some guys that won't play, maybe won't play, and they've got to replace now Noah Winnington, you know, with his injury and how that shakes out. Yeah. I mean, Dan also said Wednesday was like a really great practice. Yes. And he was encouraged by the turnaround, which – you know, and, and, and you get, I think Bennett Williams was even talking about a little bit on the coaches show um, on Wednesday night about Bennett. Evan. I did the thing that I didn't want to do. Oh. Evan just talked about all, all throughout that interview. Gosh, I'm mad at myself for that. Evan, Evan, though, brought up the fact that, you know, it can be challenging to transition from that emotionally taxing week against Colorado to the next week. And so the fact that maybe Tuesday's practice was not up to standard based upon what Dan said isn't like super surprising, but it's encouraging that Wednesday he said was like one of the better practices that they've had. So it's all coach speak when they talk about practices, because we get to watch 15 minutes of it. And it's can't, it's hard for us to be like, oh, this is a great practice. They're stretching really hard. They're really stretching. They're going after it today on the stretch. So um, we're just kind of taking his word here, but it would make sense if there was a bit of an emotional up and down this week, just coming off of what last week was. And frankly, because like, even you think about what Dan was talking about in his Monday press conference, like we were we were still addressing the previous win when status quo supposedly in that building is Sunday, you can kind of celebrate the win, but boy, by Monday, you're moving on. So you understand if there was a little bit of that to begin the week. Um, and you're hoping that by the end of this week, that that's, there's none of that. There's no hangover or, um, you know, hiccups or anything like that to the point we were trying to get to here um, on injuries there really isn't much different from what we were talking about on Tuesday's podcast in terms of availability with players. We should note Brian Addison mm -hmm. and Camden Lewis both returned to practice on Wednesday. I thought that was encouraging. Addison looked like he didn't do the full contact drill, at least when I was watching. Um, maybe Jared can correct me if he did more when, when I wasn't. But it didn't seem like BA was doing much out there. But we all see is that. I don't know if that means it's, too much. It's just information. It was uh, – well, we didn't – we didn't see anything on the Wednesday one. Like they went deep on special teams. Yeah. So we didn't get to see the, like he was off to the side. On, he was off to the side on or the inside special tap. teams thing. Yeah. So right. So, but I don't. I don't recognize Addison if he does do anything on special teams other than catch punts, which happens every Tuesday, and he wasn't here on Tuesday. So I don't know. I there's a bunch of guys who stand off to the side during special teams. So it's, it's tough, but it was encouraging yeah. to see him nonetheless. Physically at practice was encouraging. Justin Jacobs, Nashad Strother, it's kind of same old from what we were talking on Tuesday. They've done now. We've seen them log some full contact reps, which is encouraging. Will they travel? Will they be in Stanford? I would imagine they will because they were at the Texas Tech game. Will they dress and be available? I don't know. We'll see. That's really hard to guess. Um, Dan and Jamal Hill both gave some really complimentary um and I know Jared has the quotes. He wrote the story about Justin and what he can be when he is available. Um, obviously, we've been pushing how valuable of a player he can be, and um, it'll be exciting to see when that happens. But again, we don't know if that's this week or not. And then the big one is Noah Whittington, who obviously we were expecting to be out this week. We did not see him at either practice. And now the question is is kind of what happens with his app in his absence. Um, you know, I think you feel really good about Bucky and Jordan. 
both those guys. Bucky's a thousand yard rusher a year ago. Jordan ran for five touchdowns last year, has six touchdowns already this year, that leads the conference. Um, Jordan has really expanded his game, in my opinion, in terms of how he's been successful, and there should be a lot of enthusiasm for what he can do. The other question is, do they utilize a third guy? And that's something that Dan was kind of, you know, and understandably so, didn't have a, a, a very direct answer for, but I think he said it'll take what it takes. And so if there's a player um, that steps up and is ready and can contribute and help, then yeah, they'll utilize one of those true freshmen. But if not, they might just be riding with the two hands they've got right now for the foreseeable future until Noah's back. We'll, we'll see. I think I think against Stanford, regardless of if they want to incorporate a third back, based upon game script, there will be opportunity for both uh, Jaden uh, Lamar and Dante Dowdell. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd be surprised if they don't use three running backs, um, mostly because of the situation. But uh, I also feel like they use three running backs a majority of the time. And I think we talked about this on Tuesday. Um, it just kind of seems like that's how Oregon and Carlos Lachlan kind of want to be. Um, I think we'll find out eventually against like Washington if they'll if they trust Dowdell or Lamar to um, carry the rock in a in a big moment. Um, they did it at times last year. They also didn't at times last year. So I think that'll be an interesting one to see. Um, yeah, there's this just not a lot here on the injury front. And there's also not a lot here on the injury front for Stanford. Um, there's just kind of like, there's just not a lot of media attention that drives around Stanford. And so if there are injured players, there's not really anybody to report on it. And that's a problem. But um, I think regardless, um, this is like sort of injury related, sort of roster related, like, this will be the first game where Oregon has a limited travel roster. And I, I guess I asked Dan, it was a terrible question. It was poorly, poorly worded by me after I got thrown off with a, like a little back and forth with. Yeah. It was a weird hiccup. There's the weird, there's a weird hiccup in the scrum when you and somebody else talk at the same time, and then you look at each other and you're like, Oh no, you go. And they're like, no, you go. Very strange. But <laughs> they have a limited travel roster. For the first time this year yeah so i guess that's part of like this injury roster thing that i i want to get to is just who makes it mm-hmm. we don't know dan said that they have created their roster their travel roster so good on them but yeah um we don't know who's on it we don't know what went into putting names on the list um i'm interested to see if justin jacobs travels or nishad struther travels because at that point you can't just bring guys for fun like you know there's and when they played Texas Tech, they brought like, you know, uh, Preston Alford, a Texas lad. They brought another couple of Texas guys just to bring them back to their home state and have them play or not not even play, have them watch the game. You can't really do that this time around if you're going down to Stanford. Like these have to be your I forgot what the limit is. I think is it 65? Is it it's 70? Six, it's it's one of those two. It's 65 or 70. I always forget. I'll try to figure it out right now. Those I'm are pretty your, sure it's 70. Yeah, I was I gonna think, say, like those are, those seventy right. guys are your most either your most important players or you're playing a very specific scheme where you're bringing more X, you're bringing more safeties, you're bringing more offensive linemen, whatever the case might be. So I'm interested to see that, um, and especially if Struther or Jacobs goes. But you know, and the other thing is it's uh, it's the end of redshirt season. You know, like if guys have played all four games, they're not going to play another one, and they're going to keep their redshirt. Or they're going to play another one, and they're going to be a real freshman this year, like a real boy. 
Uh, so I, th- I have some good ideas on who's going to be those players because they've played in all four games and they've played well in all four games. But uh, that's just another roster management story that I'm looking forward to. I think it's nice that it happens during Stanford week because there's hopefully not a lot of other things to pay attention to. And so you can really look at that hard. But uh, we'll see. This is why the games are played. It is 70, by the way. 70. There you go. That was right. Um, I mean, is Jared, is that like your one and only thing to watch for in this game who travels? Like, is that, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I say that like half seriously, cause I don't think any of us are expecting this game to be close. There's, um, maybe, maybe someone is, I don't know, but like, what can I mean, we I have some other this? I have some other things to watch, um, like how Oregon handles quarterback runs. Yep, sure. I think that's a, a reasonable question. Like Stanford is going to run basically both of their quarterbacks. They're going to one. They're going to, but really, they're going to run more one more than the other. Dan Dog. Um, so, and that was a problem against Texas Tech. Clearly, like Tyler Shuck ran for over a hundred yards, um, which is you know whatever. It was one fifty-eight yard run, then you know thirty-eight more yards of nothing. But I digress. It, it'll be interesting because they have had problems with that. They had it against Portland State. Um, Shador Sanders, he broke free sometimes, but that was more like a scramble yeah. where your defense isn't really going to do too much about it. But Stanford is going to have some design quarterback runs, and that was a problem against Texas Tech. Uh, I think Shuck, who who's hurt and now is out for the year, so that's feel very bad for him because that's now like multiple times. Three um, straight years. Three straight years. It's a sad day. Yeah. Um, but Chuck is, he's a big boy. He's like six foot five. He, he can carry the rock and he's a bit more hard to tackle. Uh, and Stanford's quarterbacks, I, I don't, they're not as big, but they're still bigger boys. Like it's going to be an interesting uh, defensive philosophy to see what Dan and Tosh and I guess Chris Hampton, what they kind of try to game plan and try here. Um, Cause that was a big question mark. I don't, I don't really think it's that big of a question mark, but Stanford's going to try it. And if they see something like that's going to be a long day at the office for Oregon's defense because they're just going to try to exploit that every time. But we'll see. That was that was my big thing too, um, in part because again watching the coaches show when Evan Williams was on, he mentioned that they were th- they were expecting Stanford to run it with their quarterback a lot. I think he said like very very often or something like that. So the, the expectation is that's the case. He also said. Um, that they're a game plan offense, which I know every offense obviously game plans, but his point was more like, you know, some teams run their own stuff and that's just what they run. Other teams see what worked the previous weeks and then focus on those things. And that was sort of what he was getting at was like Stanford's going to be a team that goes and looks at the film and goes, Oregon hasn't defended, you know, quarterback draws to the right very well this year. Oregon hasn't defended. I'm just making things up now, you know, screen passes, you know, tunnel screens to the left. If you get your left guard out there, they haven't been able to defend because the, whatever the whatever the tell may be, that's what Stanford's going to be looking at. And so that's, I think, maybe create some challenges, a little bit of the kind of a copycat kind of offense. Um, to the QB run part, Jared's right. These aren't as big of athletes, but both Ashton Daniels and uh, Justin Lamson are both like 6'2", but 215, 220 pounds, at least on the roster. So well put together players. Um, Daniels, I think, has a little bit more burst, at least from what I've seen, a little bit more. But, um, but Lamson actually, the last game, ran it 13 times for, I think, about 60 yards. So 
Um, they're committed to using both in the run game. Um, you know, I think Dan even said that when the the offense doesn't really change when they're, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, these are bad passers, though. And to me, yeah. like if if yeah. like 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 statistically, like if you combine their numbers, they're basically like fifty percent completion percent percentage guys with three total touchdowns through four games through the air. Um, there's one not, out. There's one outlier game, and it was against yeah. Hawaii. Right. There's like, like that's it. There's just not not a good. I mean, even Sac State basically held him in check through the air passing. Like I think what was oh. the total? The two hundred yards. Two hundred seven forty six percent completion percentage rounding up. Yeah, it was it was really it was really tough. So, like this is a matchup that is favorable in a lot of ways. But if they're able to exploit some of the QB run stuff and you know change the way Oregon you know defends it and then have some counters off of that, maybe that's where this could get kind of dicey. But like honestly, this feels like a game where Oregon, if they played the way they played against Colorado on the outside and they get the pass rush home a little bit, I just don't see Stanford doing a whole lot offensively at all. Yeah, for me, I, I'm just looking at, I guess, do we describe this as like the maturity, the focus of this team? I think it's there. I think it's pretty good. Um, just what's that first quarter look like? Troy Taylor did an interview, Eric. Um, oh, good. I, I have seen video of said interview. Um, it's still yeah, through Zoom, which is, which is crazy. Um, but he was asked just kind of like, about Oregon, and one thing he said was the first quarter and that they just dominate that first quarter against their opponents. They score very quickly. Next thing you know, you're down 21, 28 points, and you have to completely alter your game plan because you're so far behind. Um, does something like that happen? Um, this team is really good jumping out of the gate outside of um, that Texas Tech game, and they still scored 14 points in that first quarter, and they it, and it wasn't like their best performance at all. Um, so I, I I'm just curious how this team comes out in a very low key, subdued environment against a bad team with a bye week on the horizon, and coming out of that bye week, maybe the biggest game of the year, maybe at Washington, um, yeah. yeah, revenge game. Um, where is this team's focus? Do, you know, we've seen them play sloppy at times. We've seen them make a lot of pre-snap penalties um, in games. Does that pop up here? Does Oregon come out and just end this game midway through the second quarter like they did this past weekend? I, I don't know. I think – I don't know if it's going to be that quickly, but I would lean towards Oregon you know, playing good. But you, you kind of want to see it until you believe it. And to the point that Jared made earlier, the last two times they've played down there, and again, Oregon has been the more talented team both times, they've kind of sputtered to the finish line, and it cost him in the yeah. one game. And again, there was a lot of weird stuff there. The, I thought the – I guess Oregon's discipline wasn't very good. Some of the officiating felt like it was a little bit nitpicky in retrospect, um, or at least I remember feeling that way very much in the moment. Um, I'd have it, to was, go, it was bad, it right? Was, do, you, do you remember how – well, A, the, the, ref, the boring it was, was terrible, but that was – that was like the week from hell for for Oregon, where yeah, Joe, Joe Moore had Joe to Moore go into yeah. emergency yeah. surgery, and then Bennett Williams um, like fractured his fibula in, in Friday's walkthrough, yeah, and right. couldn't play, and he was having a great season, and then you had the, the reps who were not great, and uh, just Anthony he, Brown did not have a great performance either. That was like the week from hell for Oregon. Do you remember what happened on the first play of that game too? Kick off the opening kickoff. 
Oh, yeah, was Tri- tar- TriQuest Bridges tar- got kicked yeah. out of the game for targeting. And he, he, oh, and, it, right. he, and he was going to be utilized as the let's defend John Humphreys on yes. the, uh, fade passes, and then John Humphreys caught a fade pass for a touchdown, so right. to win the game. Yeah, no, and I was, and then I was going to bring up the nineteen game, which you referenced earlier, which you inaccurately, where Oregon got up, I think twenty one nothing, maybe or twenty one, but final score was twenty one six, but just like didn't do anything on the second in the second half. So, you know, obviously these games are several years ago, so like, does it matter too much? Maybe not, but just the trend has been the last two times I've been down there. They've gotten out to you know leads that were good enough to win the game, and then in one instance just didn't didn't finish the job. So well, I mean, there's no one on this team. Maybe Popo was on this team. I can't remember. But in 2017, they went down there and they got absolutely throttled, 49 to seven. You know, so like Popo the last was three Popo was on that team. <laughs> <laughs> so the, literally the last three times they've been down to St- Stanford uh, in 2021 and 2019, and now in 2017. All three results, even the win, the twenty-one to six win, you walk out of the feeling like that was shitty. That was not. That was yeah. not good. That that was funky. There was things that were wrong. Uh, it was Oregon scored fourteen points in the first half. They went uh, in, in twenty nineteen, Eric, um, and then they scored a fourth quarter touchdown to go up and win twenty-one to six. Well, maybe that, that that sort of speaks to Dan's comment about road trips, which I thought was really interesting yeah. about Jalen Hurts and how there are kind of two things you're looking at. You want to make sure you win the game first, and then you want to play to your standard. And if you don't do both, you come out feeling kind of disappointed. So obviously Oregon wants to get the win, but Dan's point was also we want to play to the standard we can play at. And, um, and no, you know, to be honest, and he said it as well, when they came out of Texas Tech, they won, but they didn't play to the standard. So this is a second opportunity on the road to hopefully improve upon that. All yeah, right, let's take a quick break. Oh, go ahead, Jared. This will be interesting. Yeah, it's a new era at Stanford. This is not going to be like it has been in years past when Oregon has gone down there. It's going to be a different offense. It's going to be a slightly different defense. Like It's going to look different. It's going to feel different for Oregon fans who may have not watched a lot of Stanford this season. But, um, well, I mean, the, the curse down there, like the bad food or whatever's in the water – it's still there, so we'll see if Oregon comes to comes to play. But I have a feeling they will. I think Dan's gonna like I, he he talked about it on Monday about not getting complacent and understanding that this this needs to be a game where they they go all out. So a first quarter hot start is important, but I, I think they get it because it's just not a talented Stanford team. I uh, I asked someone at Oregon on Wednesday if they anticipated a big crowd of their fans traveling or the Bay area showing up and they were completely uncertain. They didn't know. Um, they mentioned a lot of the big boosters that like travel every, you know, that, that, that can afford the, the fly planes and whatnot on their own down to the games. Um, they've, they've come to the first three home games or they're saying they're going to UW. So I'm, I'm curious just Typically, this game is one in which there's a corner of the stadium that's just completely taken over by Oregon fan base. Um, do we see that? Is it smaller than normal? This is also like the last time Oregon's playing at Stanford for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, so maybe some Bay Area people go, this is our last chance to see him play in our hometown unless we want to drive to Oregon. We'll see. We'll see. That's a good point. Uh, let's take a break and we'll go back and dive into our predictions for this game. 
All right, welcome back to the Yachts and Audibles podcast. Um, I had the updated standings. Let me pull it up here. I do not have it in front of me anymore. You guys are uh, winning still. You don't have to belabor it. We know. <laughs> I've, got uh, two, Jared, I've got two now. <laughs> Jared and I are now tied for first uh, in the leaderboard, 5-11 and 11 for both of us. Jared went 0 for 4. I went 1 for 3. Last week, mm-hmm. Eric is still at third, but he did get a point. He was, oh, it was a good he, one. He too. was one. He was one and three last week, uh, and a, then a good one, yeah. Yes, and then game predictions. Uh, we have full separation now. Uh, I've gone four and zero straight up, three and zero against the spread. Eric is four and zero straight up, two and one against the spread. And Jared's four and zero straight up, and one and two against the spread. Um, all right. Offensive team predictions. Uh, Stanford's rush defense is slightly better than what Colorado is at this point in the season. Um, the Buffs rank 125th nationally in yards per carry allowed, while Stanford ranks 88th. Uh, there's about one yard difference between the two schools, but no, neither number is very good. Um, I think Stanford opened up against Hawaii this season. That skews their numbers just a little bit after we've seen what Hawaii has done. Um, and so you take that game out and their average skyrockets to uh, 4.89 yards per carry. What does this mean? Even with Noah Whittington out, um, I think Oregon's going to have a big day. Uh, I, I am going to predict 250 or more rushing yards on the ground for Oregon's offense. Um, I think this is going to be a good game. I don't know who it's going to come from. It might be Bucky, all of it. might be Jordan James. might be split. Bo might be a factor in there. But probably what's going to happen is Oregon gets a huge lead. Those two running backs have good, solid days. And then Jaden Lamar and Dante Dowdell kind of combine rush for 75 yards or whatever and get the rest to, to get over 250. I, I had Oregon over 200 on the ground. Um, so now I'm going to try to pivot. Um, I should note the previous high was 180 by USC. And that was just a game where USC did whatever they wanted offensively, obviously. I think they had like 56 mm-hmm. points and 570 yards of yeah. offense or something stupid like that. Uh, might have been more, and USC been wants more. to throw and not run as much as Oregon does. Right. Um, huh, what would be a suitable pivot point here? I'm trying to think. Um, I did, I've done some yeah. fun ones. Um, also, on the way back, is Jared getting doubled? Are we doing the inverse, the snake draft, just to make it fair? Are we doing that again? All right. I'd hope so. Cool. Um, that was the plan. I thought. Just checking. Um, trying to. I'm trying to figure this out. What do I want to do here? Because Matt has kind of. See, I had fun. I had trouble with the team prediction as well. Yeah. I just didn't know because like I, the, I, the 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 South the Southern California game like kind of skews the like the I guess the guesses. It's like oh, Oregon's going to put up the most yards against Stanford this year. Oh wait, they, they have can't. to put up 575 yards. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, as as it's funny because and I'm buying myself more time here. Like Josh, you Matt, you're on you're on mute, so I don't you're, you've got a point. There. Oh, yeah. yeah, I I said do two hundred. That's fine. We can double up. They're different. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Well, I feel weird now because I'm okay. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do two hundred yards on the ground. I, I, what I was just gonna say was like I, I'll take this term from Josh Pate, the padlock stats. I think there are going to be a lot in this game. But because Oregon is so superior in so many of them, it's sort of to Jared's point hard to like find the the one or two to pick to pick. So, but I'll I'll stick with my guns. I, I honestly was having a hard time trying to think of like like I know they're not going to surpass the the passing total that USC did, where like Caleb yeah. Williams had no. 
280 yards, and then Miller, uh, the, the backup, is it Moss, came in and had like Miller 100 Moss. At like 120, so like I don't think uh, I don't think that yeah, happened. Yeah, 393 oh. a total. So I'll I'll just stick with I'll just stick with the ground game, I guess. Um, yeah, I I struggled with this. This was like blank for a long time before we started recording. Um, I don't know. Like I, I might just bite the bullet and say that they put up the most yards against Stanford in this game at 570. It would have to be 574. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I just don't. And uh, but I'll do it. So Oregon uh, puts the most yards against Stanford so far this season at at least 574 yards. So there you go. I don't feel good about that at all. But uh, that's all I could because it sounds weird <laughs> if it's like Oregon's going to put up the second highest total against FBS schools against Stanford this year at, at over 450. Like that's a layup. I think Eric would start yelling at me. I would be. I was gonna. I was gonna say, but maybe you we idiot. do build, do something strong. Come on, like, do, come on. be bold. Come on. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> maybe we should. Maybe we should incentivize the predictions we don't believe in by being an extra like point or something. No, we shouldn't do that. We should. That's a lot. That's a lot of work, man. Yeah, I still have to do this this stock report game, and I'm not looking forward to it. What, what if What if you change it to uh, Oregon surpasses their highest yard total? That they had in a Pac-12 game last season, which was 446 at Washington State. That was their highest total last year. Or uh, sorry, that was just passing yards. Excuse me. Way more than that. I was gonna say that didn't. I didn't see. Yeah, it's not as good. 24. Yeah, that 24 at Washington. That's even harder. Yeah, let's make it more difficult. <laughs> that's 50 more yards. I think you stick with yeah, it. I'm, I'm good. I'm just gonna say that over 574 yards or 573 yards. It's, it's, I, I got it. I got it. I got it. 516. 515 is what they did last year against Stanford. There you go. That's not. That's not bad. I like that. Fine. I'll do that. If you if you're gonna give me that one, I will do. Uh, they beat their record from Stanford last year at five five sixteen. So over five fifteen. Matt has basically um, made two predictions, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'll take it if if you guys are gonna give me that, I'll I'll do it. I promise. Yeah, I'll give. The, I'll take the layup. I think. Yeah, I think uh, moving cool. on, we're, we're gonna go to <laughs> player of the game because now I'm in control because we're doing uh-huh. a snake draft thing. So offensive player of the game. Uh, I hope I took both of your picks. Uh, I've got Jordan James as my pick. Um, I think that he's going to obviously his his role is going to increase in uh, with with Noel Whittington going down here um, and. I think he takes advantage. Uh, I don't think Stanford's rush defense is great. Um, they did well against Hawaii, but who didn't do well against Hawaii? Uh, teams just – I mean, they played Sacramento State and Arizona. Like, those guys aren't going to really run the ball well against any opponent. But USC, like like or excuse me, like Matt pointed out earlier, like they ran for 180 yards, like six and a half carries. Oregon's going to want to run the ball more. So I got Jordan James over 85 yards and over a touchdown. I think that he and Bucky Irving are going to combine for a certain number, but I'm sure that might be one of your guys' prediction. I, I did have a Jordan-related uh, prediction. I was going to predict a new career high, which would have been 87 or more yards. Instead, I'm going to pivot to the hometown kid, and that's Troy Franklin. Um, mm-hmm. He's been money so far, and I'm going to predict he surpasses his career high in receiving yards for a game which was 139 a year ago against Washington. Um, so 140 or more. And I'll uh, 
Should I? No, I'll just I'll just keep it there. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to predict a touchdown, even though he scored one in three of the first four games. Um, he had a, he had eight for one twenty six and two a week ago. Um, I think it's reasonable for a touchdown. Okay, should we throw a touchdown yeah. in? We'll make it bold. Yeah. We'll throw a touchdown in. Come yeah, on. sure. No. I'll, he'll, it'd, be he'll pretty, have it'd be pretty impressive to have 140 yards receiving and no touchdowns. Well, I was going to say, he's that he's now going to have like 200 and he's going to break the school receiving record and not score a touchdown. He's going to like, I think Dylan Mitchell had like 250 <laughs> against Washington or Stanford. Stanford. Stanford, yeah, it was one of those yeah. two. And uh, uh, yeah, and now he'll, he'll, he'll Troy will do that without scoring. But um, yeah, I think Troy is the other player to me just to watch every week, frankly, because of how dynamic he's been and just the caliber. Of, this is like unmatched receiver play through four weeks at Oregon. Um, that should have been a stat we looked up. Is this the best four game start to start a season for an Oregon receiver? If it's not, I bet it's pretty close. Um, four, three, three of the four games over a hundred. The other where he wasn't, I think, it was like eighty three. Um, again, against Hawaii, he scored touchdowns in, in three out of the four games. I mean, he's, as we talked about earlier, he's on pace to break all sorts of records this year. And I think he continues it with another strong game. Again, very, very close to where he grew up. Um, neither of you guys picked mine. So that oh. that's good. To answer your question, Eric, Dylan Mitchell would be the first guy that you would think maybe have as good of a start, but no, because he didn't really do anything the first three games of the season. Um, it was that Stanford game when he had 14 catches for 239. That kind of set things off. Anyways, back to my pick. Uh, I think this game is going to be very similar in, to, in, in the way that Oregon game planned for Colorado. I think they have a clear advantage up front, the line of scrimmage, and I think they have a clear advantage of just overall team speed so I think knowing that Stanford's pass defense isn't good, Oregon is a faster team, we're going to see Oregon's game plan limit the like deep shots that they take down the field. They did a couple against Colorado, but Bo Nix really – very rarely did he ever put the ball even in like remote, oh, this could be uh, a potential opportunity for a pick because of how long the ball is going to be in the air. He, had, he did throw a pick, um, and it was – one of their only few shots that they took. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of screens. We're going to see a lot of like middle field throws, a lot of short stuff, which then opens the door for, I think, Tez Johnson. Four straight games – or three straight games, excuse me. He's had four catches. Um, he's also gone – he's averaging like 42 yards uh, a, 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 a game this season. So I'm going Tez Johnson being a focal point in this offense for Oregon uh, on Saturday. I'm going to say that that streak of four extends to four games, um, and he's going to hit over, I'll say, 65 yards receiving in this one. Four catches, 65 yards in in this game. That feels, number-wise, like an easy one, but he's only gone over 50 once, and it was – the Hawaii game when he had four catches for 77 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, it, it's borderline, but when Troy Franklin is being the focus and Tez doesn't get as much snaps as Gary Bryant, um, it, that's hard to, that's hard to, that's harder to hit. than I think you look at the numbers equally and just say, wow, that's an easy one. Am I I'll, getting any kind of pushback? I'll allow it. No, that's okay. Let's do it. It's All fine. Right. So Tez four for sixty five or more was what the prediction yes. was. All right. Yes. 
so now it's mine again. Team defense. Um, three different times the Ducks have held their opponent under 202 total yards of offense. I don't care that they've played some bad teams. That's pretty impressive to do, especially when you factor in the fourth quarter. Oregon's got like all freshmen out there on the field. That's pretty good. Um, Stanford's offense is basically from a yards per play perspective, the equal to Colorado's, which really surprised me. Um, so I, I think that's a good matchup here. So I am saying Oregon will hold or uh, excuse me, Stanford under 250 yards of total offense. I think, I think 202 is hard yeah. to hit. Um, so I'm going to go up to 250 because I do think some backups get in the game, some road situations play out, but 250 <laughs> or fewer for Oregon's defense. If 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 they do that, or even if it's if it's like let's say they do get under two hundred two again, that's going to be the markings. And again, I know it's Stanford, but like that's yeah. going to be just more ammunition to say this defense is really really good because that kind of consistency. And again, Stanford is different than what they've been in the past, but they're also a little different than what Oregon has seen, especially against Hawaii and especially against Colorado. So a different approach there to be able to have so much success, I think that would be impressive. Um, I'm going to go with disruption here on the defensive team prediction. And I'm predicting a third straight game with seven or more tackles for loss, which is lofty. Um, but that would be the first time since 2019, since an Oregon defense did that. And that was ironically to start conference play with Stanford, Cal, and Colorado. Um, that year, by the way, that team surpassed seven or more tackles for loss seven times, I think, when I was looking at it, which is just crazy. Um, this last year's team only did it once and that was against Washington state. So I think this year's that's going to be, again, that's the markings of a team that's, that's very disruptive and, and can create havoc plays, which is something that, that Dan is, is obviously very high on. I think this is going to be a game where you come away saying not only did the defense do its job, I'm, I'm not going to predict what Matt predicted, but I, I don't disagree with the, the notion that they'll keep Stanford under a, a reasonable number of yards, but I also think they're going to cause some problems in the backfield. So I have seven or more tackles for loss. Uh, I got something that kind of goes along with that. Um, I think they forced three or more turnovers, Oregon's defense, uh, which would tie a, a, you know, a brief but a season high against or for Stanford. Uh, they did that once against Southern California. They turned the ball over three times, two fumbles, one interception. Um, I've got some bonus bets at the end of this in case you guys want to win free money because um, they're going to hit. Uh, but one of them has to do with the interception mark, so just you know, stay tuned. Uh, the turnovers, I, I just think that Oregon's defense is going to capitalize. Um, I the, the one worry I have with this is I think Stanford's going to run the ball a lot. Uh, I don't think that they feel, A, they don't probably don't feel overly confident against Oregon's secondary, and B, Oregon hasn't really been tested on the ground this year. Uh, a lot of teams that they've played have been this run-and-gun offense, and like I mentioned earlier, Tyler Shuck had that one long run, but had some success. Uh, Texas Tech had some success on the ground, but they just didn't run it because they couldn't. Uh, they needed to move the ball down the field at points. Obviously, Colorado is not a running team. Hawaii also not a running team. Like I think that Stanford will test Oregon on the ground to begin the game, so some of these turnovers might have to be forced fumbles, but I've got three or more turnovers to for Oregon's defense as my prediction. But I do like the tackle for loss prediction. I thought about doing something like that. Stanford's offensive line is not great, but I think that I, I don't know. I, I think that they'll, those will actually kind of go hand in hand. 
because the more that they get pressure, the more likely that it is a, a poor throw, maybe a, a fumble, a tip ball, something like that. So, all righty. Defensive player of the game, mm. Oregon Ducks. Mm. Evan Williams. Mm. Not Bennett. Mm. Evan Williams. Yep. Um, I Yeah, I have him at over six and a half tackles. I think he might lead the team, either him or Taishim. And I have him at over a half sack. I think he's going to come screaming off the edge again. Um, I rewatched the Colorado game a lot just to look at the defensive schemes from Oregon. Those are some fun schemes. Yep. And having Evan Williams as that weapon outside on the edge, uh, I think Oregon or Taishim Johnson on the other side, I think Oregon's going to take advantage of that a lot this year. And I think they take advantage of it again at, at Stanford, uh, which is why I have the over a half sack. So I think he gets at least one sack. Um, also, like kind of like revenge game for Bennett to have his brother go out there at Stanford yeah. and perform while when he couldn't. So I've got that family connection going there. Um, yeah, over six and a half tackles, over a half tackle, or over a half sack. Excuse me. It doesn't matter how we invert these predictions. I just always people always just take the ones that I do because that was uh, that was where I was going to go, Jared. I think it's a great mm -hmm. pick. I like I like Evan now a lot. I know how it week. feels. I know. Now I've got a feel for right. it. Well, it happened last week a couple of times. Remember the start of the year, Matt like and I were mind melded. I think we had like yeah, you guys had the same four, and it was just like oh yeah yeah um, yeah. No, I also think Evan's going to have a big game. Um, just because I think game script wise and because he's versatile, like that was one of the things that stood out last week. Not, it wasn't just pass protection mm -hmm. or pa pass rush, but it was also like up and run support. Like he's around the ball all the time. I think he's really impressed me, especially the last couple of weeks with how he's played. So I think that's a good pick. Um, I think if sacks make sense in this game, I think so. I think it does. Um, and I'm going to say Mateo. I'm going to make the Mateo pick again. I missed it a couple weeks ago. It was a different true freshman this past week with Tatum getting home. Mateo has not had his first sack. He's had a couple that, well, he had one that was wiped off, which I have mentioned before. Um, and then he's had another where, there, a couple where he's been held like pretty egregiously. Like I think called maybe once, but a couple of times, like, like what are we doing here? Like he's so far upfield, guys are just grabbing at him. Um, I think he gets home in this one. Um, it's obviously he's a Southern California lad, so not a, not, not exactly a homecoming, but I'd imagine his family will be even in more full force for this one, just cause it is a little closer to Los Angeles. So I, I like Mateo to have a big game and get his first career sack. I, I do think obviously with my TFL prediction a moment ago that I think Oregon will be disruptive defensively. And I, I think Mateo is going to be a component of that. So sack number one for the, the true fresh. Bold. I like it. Um, that leaves me with mine, which is still on the board, which I'm happy about. Um, Jamal Hill. Hmm. I think this is, I was on his bandwagon. I think it was last year, maybe the year before that. I can't remember. Um, but I, I was the leader of that bandwagon. I'm back on it now this week. Yeah. I think it's going to have a season high in tackles so far. This season is four, which came last week against Colorado. Um, his career high is 11, which came week one last year against Georgia. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to go that aggressive, but I do think Jamal Hill will have a new season high. So five tackles or more this season or in this game. I think he's going to be matched up against their tight end. I think he's going to be on the field because of their offense, the scheme that it plays. The factor here that could hurt me that – 
that is going to be a play is how quickly does this game get out of hand and does he play extended snaps? Um, we've seen some interesting – I don't think he's going to lead the team in tackles. Um, maybe he does. But, like, we've we've seen some weird ones where, like, Connor Solelli uh, or, or is it – Solely. Solely. Yeah. Um, he's led the team in tackles because it was a blowout very, very quickly, and he got on the field. Special teams, he's on there as well. Um, so that's why I didn't go Jamal Hill leading the team in tackles because we could we could see him only play basically a version of a half before he gets pulled off because of protection. So um, Jamal Hill, five or more tackles in this game. I almost said Jamal Hill interception because he was really upset that he didn't get that one against Colorado. And he said he makes that play nine out of ten times, and that was the 10th time. But mm-hmm. I like Jamal, but I was kind of like, eh, you dropped just, multiple ones in the past too. So. <laughs> that one was also like kind of yes. sort of difficult just from the body. But like, yeah, he could have had it. It was, yeah. Yes. Okay. You guys ready for my bonus bets? Yes. Free money if you can find this on some gambling website somewhere. Uh, Oregon, under nine and a half penalties. This is the game. This is it. This is the one where they have a good day <laughs> like at that. the office. For penalties. I like it. Nine and a half is under, is, a, is viewed as a good thing for Oregon football. Yep. They, <laughs> they've only done it. More. Well, I really, yes. What I should have done is under, I'll do under nine. I'll, I'll bring, the, bring the line down because they've only gone under nine penalties this year once. So. That was the very first game of the year where everybody's like, hey, they did really good on pre-snap penalties. Would you look at that? And then everything went to the next week. Shit. Um, Last, uh, second free bet. Remember my bonus bet last week of Oregon having a turnover hit. So free money if you want it. Uh, Kyrie Jackson, over a half interception. Mark it down. That'll be, what is that, three out of four games with him having an interception. So mark it down. I I will continue my bonus bet streak because i had one that hit last week as well the two-point conversion fail early which happened which Mm -hmm. i actually nailed like consecutive like within a minute i was really happy i got casey uh casey kelly with the very first non-receiver wide receiver touchdown uh receiving touchdown in eight games and then right after they went for two kind of a mess dan actually went into a lot of detail for why it didn't work but that didn't work but this week first special teams touchdown of the season I think there's going to be a, a special a, teams touchdown. Yeah. A, a punt return, perhaps maybe a blocked punt. Um, Dan did point out and I, Kenyon Sadiq was the player who blocked a punt barely against Colorado that we haven't talked a lot about, but they've been pretty active with blocking. You think about like they had two yep. last game, Ben Roberts blocked a PAT late. So, um, so there's the special teams seems like they're playing a, just a little bit better than not, not seems. I think they're pretty clearly playing just a little bit better. And some of the disruption, I think, will lead to some success here. So I'm going to say a special teams touchdown is a little bonus addition. I didn't think of this ahead of time. didn't know we were going to do this. But I do have one because of yeah. anger. Because oh. I would have hit, hit a pick mm. last week, but Eric made me pick a player. I said one player of Oregon's front seven would have two sacks in the game. Yeah. And – I was forced to pick, so Jared, I. Jared, Jared also was. We both kind of comboed that. We both wanted you to please name. So I, I picked Doorless, and in, even you in my, a, I, I forgot to update it. I forgot to update the uh, story of oh. having to actually pick a player. And in there, I said it could be Doorless, could be Jordan Birch, 
so clearly my mind was those two guys, and I picked Dorless on the camera, and should have picked Birch. Birch got two. Uh, so I'm not gonna. I'm since this doesn't count, I'm going to say oh. just someone on Oregon's team gets two sacks okay. in this football game. I'll allow it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make you, you better because it doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> make you more bold than your predictions that don't even matter. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, game predictions here. Um, score picks. I've gone back and forth. Um, I've thought, on one hand, that we rarely see blowouts from an Oregon perspective down in mm-hmm. uh, the Bay Area, down on the farm. Um, the last one came in. 2011, Dennis Dixon, or not Dennis Dixon, Darren Thomas was the quarterback. That was 12 years ago. That that seems like five years ago, and yet it's over a decade now since Oregon has gone down to Stanford and won in blowout fashion. Um, every game has either been a blowout in, or, in Stanford's favor or it's been close. So, I, but at the same time, like the Stanford team isn't, a shell, you know, they, they aren't what Stanford was uh, in 2019 and 2017, 15 or 13. Um, and I really struggled with that. So I'm going with the idea that this game goes over the point total, which is 60 and a half, because I think Stanford maybe scores a couple scores early or they tack on some scores late. Um, and then I'm also thinking Oregon covers, but it, it's not going to be like this 63 to 14 type performance that in theory could happen. Um, I think Oregon plays a little sloppy, but think, finds their groove and they win 45-17. We're very close on this. Um, just some data that I had. I'm predicting Oregon's biggest road win at Stanford since 94. And that was 55-21. And the biggest overall win uh, since 2006, which was 48-10 at Autzen. So I think Oregon will win by more than 30 points. My score is very similar to Matt's. I've got 45-13. It's a little bit better defensive performance. I, I went back and forth a little bit here of like, could this be a shutout? Could this be a game where Stanford scores like no touchdowns and kicks a couple field goals? Uh, just because of how high I am on this Oregon defense. But I think they'll get in there once. I think this will be a game that's pretty similar in a lot of ways to what we saw last week, where just Oregon overpowers Stanford on both sides of the football, especially at the line of scrimmage, Um, which is weird to say because Stanford historically has been so good Mm -hmm. at both lines of scrimmage, especially on the offensive line. You think about some of the NFL talent that they produce down there for them to be kind of like one of the weaker offensive lines in the conference is just strange, but I think that's what will bear out here. And I think Oregon's going to, as I said, cause a lot of problems, wreak a lot of havoc in the backfield defensively. And I think on the offensive side, I do think they'll run the ball successfully. I think Bo will make the plays he needs to make. I don't know if this is going to be like a Bo Nix Heisman reel game where he has 350 yards and runs for a couple touchdowns or something, but I do think he'll be, he'll be locked in and dialed in just because he's been so consistent since coming here. So, uh, Oregon wins comfortably by 32 and heads into the bye week feeling pretty good about itself. But after the bye week, things get real, real fast. Real football. Uh, I also have a 32-point margin of victory for Oregon, 49-17. So just a little bit higher on Oregon. Um, 
I, I haven't really picked them to to beat the spread. Uh, okay. That's why I'm one and two. I think the only one it's kind of lucked into with the Texas Tech victory. Um, okay. I have been like, how do I describe it? I haven't been as high on the defense, even though I've been the highest person on the defense. Like, I, I, honestly, like among us three, I think I've been the highest since the start, and among other people I've talked to, but. I still haven't given them enough credit in these score predictions, but I'm going to do it this week because I've been burned on it. Um, yeah, I just think that this is a completely different team than what we've seen the last couple of years down at Stanford with Dan as a head coach, with the talent that they've accumulated with Bo Nix at the helm. Um, I just don't think that this is going to be a letdown performance. I think that Stanford's going to score, and that's going to be fine, and it might look close for a little bit, but I think Oregon's offense is just too good here. Even without Noah Whittington, I think that they still have a great rushing attack. I think that Bo Nix can control the game with his arm. I don't think Stanford has anybody to match up along the perimeter with Tez, Troy, Trey Sean, or Gary Bryan Jr. Um, there's not, frankly, there's not going to be a lot of, you know, just roster spots coming on this trip. So some starters are going to be playing all game long. And that only is going to help the potential chance of scoring more than 45 points if you're Oregon. Um, but I'm 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 excited to watch Oregon play down there. Um, to Matt's question earlier, I think there's going to be a lot of Oregon fans there, um, and m- maybe I think there 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 will be more Stanford fans, but you're not going to be able to tell that if you're watching on television. Um, so I have both. I have, yeah, I have Oregon covering in this one, 49 to 17. Here's a question for you guys, because Jared is correct. He's high on the defense. Uh, three of us. Um, so far this season, they've got three games with under 202 yards of total offense allowed mm-hmm. by their opponent. The 2019 team has also done that. They they, they had one under 250, excuse me, one, two, three, four. They had four games where they had under 250. I when Jerry was talking about how he was high on the defense, I started looking at this. I can't find another season dating back to 2009 in which another Oregon defense has had three or more in a season. They've done it a couple times twice, um, but Oregon this t- this defense this year looks like it's the only one outside of the 2019 defense to accomplish that feat of 250 or fewer yards three times in a, in a, in a single season. And they've done it three out of the first four games. I don't care who you play. That's, that's good. Yeah. No, it's a good stat. The Dan's only done it once last year. The defense last year only did it once. And it was Eastern Washington, 187. This is going to, again, this is why this year could be really strange is I think defensively, this is a really good defense. We talked about this on Tuesday, or no, it was on mail, the mailbag show on Monday of like, but I think there are going to be games where they just have a hard time because there's some really good offenses in this conference. Right. So while I'm that, yeah, still, that's, like, that's the thing, like, I'm still very bullish on this group. I think they're really good. I think we'll be curious to see coming out of the bye how they're tested by the first two teams, really, really high in quarterback play and potentially a third if Cam Rising is available. But, like, this defense can still be really freaking good and have games where they don't dominate because they've paced offenses that are dominant. So, um, I think, but this is not one of those weeks. So, this is a week where I do think Matt's under 250 could very much hit. They could get four out of the first five. And then it might not happen hardly at all the rest of the season just because they're facing 
offenses that are top 10 in all sorts of status. Yeah. So if, if you hold Washington under 400 yards, that's, that's like a huge, huge win. Holy, that's like, oh my God, you dominated. <laughs> if you hold Michael Penix under 400 yards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like the, the 2019 we've, team, we've talked about that defense on the show before. They just didn't really play anybody who was a great offense. Like not that I can remember like Washington state with Mike Leach was probably the best offense they played. And now everybody is running that offense with better quarterbacks, no disrespect Gardner Minshew, but better quarterbacks, better wide receivers. Like the, the transfer portal has elevated the level of play of college football. And that's exactly what USC is doing. That's what Washington's doing. That's what uh, Utah for the most part is doing. And that's what uh, Washington state's doing. So you know, it'll really be interesting to see what that defense looks like against Washington. But going into it last year, that game against Washington at home, like you knew that was going to be a struggle for Oregon's defense. There's, there's uh, with this defense this year, you you feel like there could be a chance. You didn't feel like that last year. Like you kind of knew that Oregon's defense last year was going to get roasted. They had to bend, not break. And this year you feel like there could be a chance that maybe there's a couple of – maybe there's a, an interception. Maybe there's a couple of three and outs, something like that. While well, last year's defense, you just didn't feel good about it. But um, all the transfer portal pieces, how you expected them to fit in this defense so far have. And I think that's really great for Dan, and I think it's a good evaluation of talent by their staff as well. All right, I think that's going to do it for us here on – this edition of the Odds and Audible's podcast. Next time you hear from us, it'll be Saturday evening from Stanford Stadium in some room in some part of the football stadium, breaking down what transpired on the field um, before us. All three of us will be there. We'll have full coverage of the game on DuckTerritory.com. Highly encourage you guys to go check out DuckTerritory.com. If you're not a subscriber, please consider subscribing. It's the most impactful way to help us continue making these shows every week like we do. Uh, and they'd be free for you guys to uh, consume. So uh, highly suggest you guys check out DuckTerritory.com. And if you can subscribe as well, but until the next one, you've been listening to the Odson Audible's podcast. Talk to you later folks. Peace.